Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. It's a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of 2 Corinthians. Today is episode 486. We're looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 2 through 4. Let's read our passage. Make room for us in your hearts. We have wronged no one, corrupted no one, taken advantage of no one. I don't say this to condemn you, since I have already said that you are in our hearts, to die together and to live together. I'm very frank with you. I have great pride in you. I'm filled with encouragement. I'm overflowing with joy in all our afflictions. This is 2 Corinthians. This is Paul's letter to a church in Corinth. He sent other letters. He's made other visits. And what he's trying to do is restore relationships. He had uh, gone to Corinth, and it was a bad visit. There was great opposition, and the church didn't deal with it. So he left, went to Ephesus, and sent what he called the tearful letter, which laid everything on the line. And Titus carried the letter to Corinth and did some ministry there in Corinth. And now Titus has come and linked up with Paul in Macedonia and reported that the majority of the church is supportive of Paul, but there's still a significant number who don't. They're a minority, but they're still somebody that Paul wants to deal with. He wants the church to be unified. He wants the church to be unified together and unified with him. And he's made an appeal for them to reconcile with him. So he's spent the majority of this first part of the letter dealing with his apostleness, uh, dealing with his actions. Back in chapter 1 and 2, he defended his actions, why he did what he did. And then in chapters 2 through 7, he's been defending his ministry, explaining why he does what he does and what his ministry is all about. And this is kind of the hinge portion right here. It's bringing everything he's been talking about to a conclusion, but setting it up for what's to come. Because next he's going to start talking about the collection that he's taken up, and he's going to be challenging those who question his spiritual effectiveness and those who receive the Judaizers who are causing trouble, and those who are acting immorally. So he's getting ready to really start hammering them on a few things, but he wants to reinforce the relationship. So verse 2, he says, Make room for us in your hearts. This goes along with what he had been saying back in previous chapter, chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. He said, We've spoken openly to you, Corinthians. Our heart has been opened wide. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. So here he said, make room for us in your hearts. It's just just following that up with really once a restored relationship. Now he defends himself and, and his co-workers. We've wronged no one, corrupted no one, taken advantage of no one. You sum that all up and say, we've done you no harm. I want to be reconciled. We haven't done anything to bring any harm to any of you. So we've we've done nothing wrong. We've offended no one. We've corrupted no one. We haven't taken advantage of anybody. All these things, basically, we we haven't done anything to anybody in Corinth. Verse 3 says, I don't say this to condemn you, since I have already said that who are in our hearts, to die together, to live together. One 
note is he does shift to first person here. He says we most of the time up to here. Now he starts using I more than he has in, in the past with this letter. This shows the, the personal nature of it. It's not uh, we don't say this condemn you, but I don't say this condemn you. I have already said that. He's not making an accusation when he says... We've wronged no one, corrupted no one, taken advantage of no one. Is that a veiled accusation of somebody else has wronged people, corrupted people, taken advantage of people? Or is he dealing with some of the challenges that have been thrown out to him that he has wronged people, corrupted people, taken advantage of people? Hard to say, but he does point out that he's not criticizing the Corinthians. His point here is back to the relationally since I have already said that you are in our hearts. So, this goes along with back in chapter 6, where he says, we open our hearts to you, but we want you to open your hearts to us. And he says, to die together and to live together. Is this literally or figuratively? Because he lives in constant danger, with the threat of death around him all the time. Hey, Corinthians are followers of Christ, and at times it is dangerous to be a follower of Christ. This is his point here. We could literally die together, but we will live in the resurrection together. Or is this point more of we've all died to Christ? Anybody who's a follower of Christ has died to self and died for Christ, but we live in Christ. It's hard to say what his intention is. He may just be both of those together. Then verse 4, he wraps this section up and sets it up for what's to follow. I'm very frank with you. I have great pride in you. I'm filled with encouragement. I'm overflowing with joy in all our afflictions. So it's a very positive note here. He has pride. He says he's encouraged. He has joy, even in the face of afflictions. And each of these has first-person singular, I, frankly, I have great pride. I am filled with encouragement. I am overflowing. So this is very personal, but also very positive. Again, he's trying to reconcile relationship with those who still have not reconciled with him. Because he wants the church unified with each other and with him. Now, we don't see it really in our English translation, but there's, there's some literary things Paul uses in verse 4. He uses alliteration. A lot of these words begin with P, or the Greek letter pi. And the three words, uh, sorry, positive, pride, encouragement, and joy all have a similar sound to them. The all starting with P is alliteration, but the three words that sound alike is asanas, meaning there's a similar sound. The word for confidence is kochesis. The word for encouragement is periklesi. The word for joy is kara. You'll have that CH or K sound, and there's a similar sound to them. The first part of, of verse 4 where he says, I'm very frank with you, I have great pride in you, I feel with encouragement. In the Greek, there's 13 words, even including the prepositions and, and conjunctions. But out of those 13 words, six of them start with P. 
And so there's a lot of alliteration. It's a polemoi parasis, a proskule mas, polemos. And so this P sound gives us this alliteration. So the alliteration and the assonance uh, of the word sound is, is a, it's just a literary device that makes it stand out as he writes this. And this is, like I said, a, a kind of a hinge in this letter. He's shifting now from talking about his ministry to shift them to talking about them and what he's calling them to do. Paul cares about them. He wants a restored relationship. That's why he sent Titus. That's why he went himself. That's why he is sending Titus again. That's why he wrote 1 Corinthians and the tearful letter and 2 Corinthians. And we know he actually wrote a letter before 1 Corinthians. And that's why he's going to go again. And what he wanted to do here is get things set up for his next and final visit and, and get them in a healthy position where he can go and encourage them and get them set up to be a lighthouse for the gospel in a key place in southern Greece. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through 2 Corinthians 5.